0: My friends, the great experiment. Down on the Thanks. Thanks.
1: Head it. Trinket, Would you look at that? The greatest trinket, trick. You people, you're all astronauts. Are some
0: kind of Star Trek. The greatest trek, trek. trick, trick, trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. It's been a very, very long time since we have recorded any podcasts, Adam.
2: It's been a long time since I've looked at your face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of relieved to see it again. Yeah. Does it look different? Does it look tireder? (laughs) (laughs) It does look more
2: tireder. I'll say that. (laughs) But I've seen you tired before. Uh, You of the four hours of sleep after a Toronto show, like... We've seen each other tired, but maybe yeah. you're dealing with multiple Torontos in a row is what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on like weeks and weeks of Torontos on end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am sorry
2: to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Apology accepted.
0: That sounds like a rough life, dude. <laughs> no, nah, it's okay. It's good. You know, it's like worse and better than people say, you know? That's a fun way to hear it. I think there's a lot of uh, people liking to exaggerate, going like, oh, you're in for it, buddy. I don't think we've said it on this episode, and
2: in case this is someone's first Greatest Trek episode, maybe we should say that yes. you became a father a couple weeks ago, and that is what <laughs> we were talking about.
0: I did, yeah, I have a new baby here. He's doing great. Uh, he and my wife are, uh, are in great shape. But yeah, we're doing we're doing new baby stuff, so mm-hmm. lots of late nights, lots of uh, you know, why is he crying? I can't figure out why he's crying. Lots uh-huh. of uh going to change the diaper and the geyser of piss hits you in the face while you're
2: No way.
0: Mid diaper. It's just uh, like every every comedy trope. You're actually getting legit piss hits? It's yeah, not just
2: it's, a thing that you see in movies and stuff? It's real. Wow. That's a real part. <laughs> Have you put all of your nice clothes away? You have, Famously, you have a lot of, of nice clothes. Uh, you like to look
0: good anyway. Have you stopped caring uh, about all of that because uh, you don't want to uh, get them <laughs> pissed on? No, because the piss is pretty innocuous. It's not like cat piss, you know, where it'd be like, okay, you got to throw the clothes away.
2: Is the piss, like, brightly... I love how we're doing piss talk on the show. Is the piss (laughs) brightly colored, like, vitamin piss? Like, does a new baby take a lot of boob nutrients and then, like, the piss is just crazy colored? The poo
0: is crazy colored. The piss is not. Huh. The piss is regular. Huh.
2: Yeah. And a baby doesn't make logs, right?
0: No, it's, uh, it's like, um... How shall I describe what a baby makes? It's like um if you you know like you know if you like squeeze lemon juice into milk, you know that like kind uh-huh. of curdling that happens? Uh-huh. If you squeeze lemon juice into orange Gatorade and the same thing happened, that's sort of what comes out of a baby's dumper.
2: Ah. Uh. <laughs> Oh, that is so gnarly.
0: I mean, after the Armus phase. There's the Armus phase, and then there's the curdled Gatorade phase.
2: Right, right. The Armus phase being dank and vile poop. Right,
0: yeah. A, uh, a skin of evil, if you will.
2: Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being my health class, Ben.
0: I clearly wasn't paying attention Nobody tells you this stuff It's just thrust upon you in more ways than one
2: Not only does no one tell you this during health class No one has the bravery to ask the hard questions Right The way 40-something-year-old Adam asks To a fellow adult
0: It's like, sure, you're making me carry this sack of flour Around my high school for a week As a way of simulating what having a responsibility would look like But what color poops is this flower making?
2: There needs to be like a shame chaperone in middle school and high school that's sort of like a 21 Jump Street project, Uh where there's someone who looks a little too old to be a student in the class, is asking the hard questions about (laughs) what babies pee and poop look
0: like. (laughs) Is this like a never been kissed situation?
2: Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get Drew Barrymore in there, or Adam Sandler,
0: or... Or whoever is usually in those movies. Probably Rodney Dangerfield in our case. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think that could provide a great service to the students of America.
0: Right. What do we not know we don't know?
2: (laughs) In my case, it's so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh
0: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, the uh, it's been mostly pretty great. He is uh, still like so little that he hasn't even like really made eye contact with anybody.
2: Oh, that's a real Harrison trait right there. Uh-huh, I, yeah,
0: I would say he's he, I would say he's maturing quite normally. He farts, sleeps, and doesn't make eye contact. So he really <laughs> uh, takes after me. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Also, leaving a
2: lot of cashews around the house.
0: Yeah, so so takes after his mother in that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just a perfect blend. I think you're gonna you're gonna meet this kiddo tonight. Tonight for the first time, I'm very yeah. excited to do that. Yeah, but uh, in the meantime, you and I have an episode of Star Trek: Colon Lower Decks to talk about. I've been going through podcast withdrawals. I've been missing talking to you I've been I tried to listen to an episode of ours that hadn't come out yet to uh-huh. QA it I don't know if you've noticed I haven't really been in the company slack much lately I've noticed <laughs> I started listening to one to QA and I was like I, it makes me mad to listen to this I can't do it I'm, Wow what I just want to be recording with Adam
2: That's amazing I I too have missed you very much it has been Look I've missed you for selfish reasons too because We've talked about this before out in the world when you when you don't have a comedy foil and you're just like working with civilians is that how you think of me, Adam, as your foil they don't <laughs> they don't appreciate our comedy stylings the normals out there <laughs>
0: no no
2: you keep my balls in the air and I keep your balls in the air, and that's the
0: deal. <laughs> keep our balls in the air and our minds in the gutter and uh Our microphones trained on all of the latest from Star Trek. Do you want to get into it, Adam? Sure do, Ben.
2: It's Star Trek Lower Decks today, Season 3, Episode 6. Hear all, trust nothing. Ben, a lot of people have been asking us on on the socials. I know you're not Hmm. on the socials either. You haven't been for many weeks. People are saying, did you notice the koala in the opening? (laughs) Yes, of course I noticed the koala in the opening. It's right there. I don't think I noticed it. Where is it? So when Picard's mom's hanging body is swinging around into space, Uh one of the shots of the stars in the background shows the, the
0: koala welcoming Picard's dead
2: mother to the afterlife.
0: So continuity of Koala is being preserved in Lower Decks. That's great. Also continuity of Vancouver is being preserved. Mm. This episode opens with the Cerritos en route to a Rendezvous with the Vancouver. Mm. And uh, they're getting back together again for a big mish. (laughs) You remember the Karema, right? Mm -hmm. Famous Deep Space Nine species, the Karema. I think that the Karema character was played by Farmer Hoggett, if memory serves. Yeah.
2: Uh, there were incidents involving the Karema. These incidents include uh wine, right? And then like mm. an unexploded torpedo that Quark had to help defuse. Yeah. Those are the things I remember about the Karema.
0: Quark and Farmer Hoggett loving it, uh, that the uh, cut rate munitions that the Karema were selling to the Dominion didn't work that well. Yeah. Yeah, This was supposed to explode on impact, wasn't it? Maybe I should offer them a refund. But yeah, the uh, Cerritos is on haul all the gifts duty. I guess the Federation is going to try and butter the Karema up after that horrible chapter in their history. They're like a ship of balloons, right?
2: You see the, mm. this kind of car on the road sometimes. They're the ones bringing the balloons to the party. And right. like all you can see in the back window is mm. Mylar.
0: Right, and uh, you're like, I hope those clowns have uh, an air hose somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Admiral, uh, good friend, FaceTimes. Do we know Admiral Buenamigo's first name? I don't know. Is it Ricardo? Because is that is that a joke on the famous revolutionary warship, the Bonhomme Richard, that the French gave to the American? <laughs> I sure hope
2: so Ben Because if it is that's just a one person joke yeah, that's, that's just a, for you That's a no percentage <laughs> <laughs> Like we cut to the lower decks Writer's room and there's one Nerdy fuck in the corner Just like smugly <laughs> nodding Listening to our show Yes <laughs> Well if Ben gets it It's gotta be good
0: Yeah yeah I like that somebody's writing for me. Finally. (laughs) The Admiral is, is FaceTiming up to explain that the Vancouver is off to do some other bullshit, and Captain Freeman is going to have to take lead on the diplomatic mission, a mission for which one would need quite a bit of prep and a mission for which she has done none. Yeah. You have to make it work. When Amigo, out.
2: This is a bummer. This is like uh, showing up for a lab day and your lab partner can't do it.
0: Right. You got to fillet that frog yourself. The the vegetarian kid is like uh, refusing to participate yeah. on moral grounds. And so, so dissecting the fetal pig falls to you.
2: Yeah, but where does vegetarian kid draw the line? You've seen when he eats in the cafeteria.
0: Yeah. And vegetarian kid like... Gets in his dad's BMW and smokes on his way out of the <laughs> school parking lot. So it's like, where's your moral high ground now, vegetarian are, kid? Are you suggesting the vegetarian kid is smoking meat cigarettes? Yeah, I'm just, I just saying like, uh, you know, there's other kids in the car that's, uh, you know, not really taking their their lungs into consideration. Yeah. Secondhand meat smokes.
2: Yeah. I mean, they could get <laughs> out of the car anytime or put the windows down, Ben. Mm. How about those mm. ideas?
0: Well... Hey, you know what? They could just take the bus instead of getting a ride to school like the cool kids. I, th- I mean, all of this is is being observed from my vantage point on the bus, and I am wondering why those kids got in that car in the first place.
2: God, as soon as kids in my school were old enough to drive, it was like like that scene in Far and Away where Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman have to like stake their, their land. It's uh-huh. It's like they run out there and they put... <laughs> stakes in the ground, and, and they need to run super fast to get as much land as they can. That was all of the students in my school running toward the people with cars of their own <laughs> in order to get rides to school. Yeah, yeah. Because, boy, oh boy, Ben, the sadness of a bus rider in my particular middle and high school years, not something you wanted to have bad spot.
0: My uh, my sadness was only exacerbated by the fact that my dad was typically late to drop me off to the school bus stop in our part of town. Uh So often we would take to the highway and he would speed until we caught up with the school bus. And then he would like drive alongside honking his horn and the school bus would get off the highway and pull over on the side of the road. And I would have to trudge from my father's (laughs) Volvo 240 station wagon onto the school bus and uh, endure the indignity of trying to find a seat after uh, the entire school bus of kids wondered why we were pulling over.
2: Ben, I love that story. It's a story (laughs) dramatic and well told, but I know it to be a lie because I've never known your father to drive
0: over the speed limit. (laughs) If, if, it's, if it's between driving the speed limit and uh, not having to deal with me all day, he will speed. I also
2: know that's not true
0: because I've been in the car with you
2: on airport runs that your dad has driven, and it's never happened. I love your father. He's a great man, but he is not a speedy man.
0: He, he used to be. It uh, It all changed when I got my learner's permit. <laughs> and that'll be you one day, Ben. I know. Yeah. I mean... I'm already drawing that arc right now.
2: Are you thinking of everything in those terms now? Pretty
0: much, yeah. Real cats in the cradle
2: terms? Yeah,
0: yeah. So they pull up to where this Negosh is gonna take place, Adam, and it's a familiar location in the Star Trek universe.
2: If you don't recognize it by sight, you're gonna recognize it by sound because when the Deep Space Nine theme plays upon arrival. The feelings come rushing back,
0: don't they? Tanky Cardassian fascist eyesore. Yeah, I love Shax just like kicking these nostalgic feelings in the nuts. This is like a
2: statue of Robert E. Lee to Shaqs, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: It should be ripped down. Yeah. Yeah, I think there used to be like a bronze of Ducat on top of the op section there yeah. in the middle, and they and they like pulled that down with a tank.
2: Look, man. The Cardassian uh, the flag sticker is just like cultural, man. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with Bajoran slavery. It's just like, hey, man, it's part of our history. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they really rack up the kilometers flying around DS9 into theme, don't they?
0: They do. Was this the version of the Deep Space Nine theme that the show launched with or was this the slight like redo of the theme music that happened in
2: oh i think it was the original i kind of thought so too it wasn't the thump, to da dump to dump version yeah of later on where there's like some real propulsion behind it
0: a lot of people have been saying online that they think it's the thump, to a dump to dump version and i disagree with them if anything it might be a re-record of the original arrangement but i don't think there's a thrump to da dump to dump in there um
2: yeah i don't think so either yeah. That's definitely a, a later season thing with Deep Space 9. Isn't it interesting like how a cartoon can convey a beautiful moment though because it's definitely what they're going for here and I feel like they succeed.
0: Yeah, it looks great. I, I mean like it's kind of amazing to see this station rendered in 3D but in cartoon 3D. Yeah. It it sort of makes me pine for the HD remaster of DS9 that everybody swears up and down is never gonna happen. One thing that I had been pining for,
2: for a long time, I get reunited with here, Ben, on Mm. board the station. It's Colonel Kira. Yeah. God, I've missed Kira.
0: We all have, Adam.
1: Captain Freeman, welcome to Deep Space Nine.
0: And this is happening in a part of the timeline where Colonel Kira is still running the place. She's still got the baseball on the desk and everything. Yeah. It's pre baseball removal. You know, she gets
2: rid of the baseball at some point, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, probably because she, you know, is like fucking around with it on, our, on her desk at some point, and some Bajoran official comes in and goes, it belongs in a museum. Because <laughs> that's like a holy relic to them, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The Cisco's ball. Yeah.
2: Do you think anyone plays baseball in the hollow suite after <laughs> Cisco oh, fucked yeah. off?
0: That's a, I mean, every Sunday, right? (laughs) It's a sacrament to the Bajorans. (laughs)
2: That's right. God, like the kids really complain about going to play baseball on Sunday morning. They really want to sleep in. Oh,
0: mom, it's so boring. (laughs) And the pants are itchy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And there's that gross wine we have to drink. (laughs) I don't want an orange wedge. Yeah, Kira and Shax go way back and... I love the repetition of these moments. They immediately get into a kind of wartime heroism measuring contest with each other. Yeah. And they both measure from the POW camp.
0: Mm. <laughs> they really do. This sort of becomes its own storyline. Like the, if we're gonna extend the baseball metaphor, who's gonna get their hand to the top of the bat first? Mm. kind of a situation between them.
2: Yeah, and uh, which one's going to get the dizziest when uh, (laughs) when they're going around and around on that
0: thing? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Meanwhile, the LDs are pretty excited about visiting the station, but Mariner is not going to go with them because Mariner is going to go get to know Jennifer's friends.
1: Ooh, meeting the friends. That's big.
2: Rutherford is really the fans proxy here throughout the episode i
0: think yeah in the way that boimler is the voyager fan of the show yeah rutherford is the deep space nine fan of the show and he wants to do all the things he wants to like buy all the all the items in all the stores he wants to dangle his legs on the promenade
1: guys this is awesome
0: that really checks
2: out with the jake cisco clothing that he was wearing a couple episodes ago, right? Like, Oh, man, yeah. That really pencils out. I like that a lot. Because for some reason, Jake Sisko. It's me, Jake! And that he and Tendi go to Cisco's to eat.
0: To Quark's. No, I mean- uh, Oh, yeah. Of, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Back when they were uh, taking leave during the trial.
0: Yeah, I thought you were talking about this episode, but you were talking about a previous episode, which I watched a long time ago.
2: Months and months ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually watched this episode back then also, and uh, it took me a while to figure out whether or not I'd watched this one or not just because I was so tired and so, it had been such a long time. So covered in lemon juice and orange Gatorade? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, it was was real messy. (laughs) The Karema show up on the station and uh, we get just kind of like a a little vignette with them walking down the... uh, Pylon from their ship I don't know how these alpha savages Managed to win the war Neither do I It seems like they've got a plan B If negotiations don't go well And uh, the plan B is heavily implied To be like Bomb strapped to the chest based Yeah That is quite the plan B Yeah and what we know about the Karema From Deep Space 9 Does not lead me to believe that they're like A self-sacrificing lot you know?
2: No, not at all. And it's super reductive how the Karema are described here. I believe they're called a mercantile species. Do you think that's what they call themselves? Mm. It's such a civilization style reduction <laughs> into a, this is what your species is into and this is how we think of you
0: only. Oh yeah, I'm just scrolling around and um, I, I do see that this episode was written by Sid Meier.
2: Right, well that checks out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But it
2: does make you think that... uh, I didn't know that Sid Meier was that funny. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like when you're a mercantile species, you wouldn't be much of a threat. But this guy's assumed bomb under his robes would beg to differ.
0: I mean, they are short of the Ferengi of the Delta Quadrant, right? Yeah. If there's even a chance at making a profit, I'll hear them out. Yeah, but their
2: lethality seems to be in question, right? Like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't fear them the way I would fear a Ferengi, but maybe I should.
0: Yeah. Down on the promenade, uh, we see that Quark is also going to be a part of this episode as a person who has sort of uh, gained some celebrity for his chain of Quark's restaurants, which we know about from other New Trek series. We've seen establishing shots with Quark's restaurants in uh, in Star Trek Picard.
2: Right, all across new Star Trek, we've seen the Quark's franchises.
0: So no surprise, but uh, but yeah, it it does seem like it sort of uh, cuts against one of the things we know about Quark, which is that he's always like the most avaricious character on Deep Space Nine, but he never gets his come up. He mostly gets comeuppance. In this case, he seems to be like super
2: self-aware, like a profit-sucking parody of himself, almost. <laughs> as much avarice as he embodied before, like, he just seems even more so.
0: Yeah, and like he is capitalizing on the, like, self-dunk of that, in a way. Yeah, he's got no shame at all. Oh, I love
1: Starfleet. I do a lot of business in Federation space. What
0: rule of acquisition
2: is that? Not sure. It, it is fun to hear Armin Shimmerman back playing the role, just like Na Visitor has come back for hers. Pretty great. Yeah,
0: I like the idea that Cork would be running this empire of chain restaurants from the station too. Like he never left Deep Space Nine. He's still like got his hands in the business. Ransom
2: has such a great question here. He's like, uh, Yeah, if you can replicate anything, what does anything in a
0: franchise have of any unique value at all?
2: get a life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why would people come? (laughs) I mean, aside from to get a selfie with Quark and pay him a strip of latinum for the privilege. That
2: seems like it would have the most value, but it's not true. It's the Quark 2000 replicator. And I love the number at the end of it. Like 2000 (laughs) used to be a fantastical number in the 80s when we were thinking about future machines, but that this... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but that this also has a 2000 is really great, a lot of fun, and you know he, he brags on this, and uh, and we cut away from upper decks characters to lower decks characters coming into the bar and fanboying and fangirling out about being in the original Quarks, even though Mariner has made fun of them for being such tourists. It's like going to the original Starbucks in Seattle. They walk past an original Morn and say nothing. I mean, the good thing about going to the original Quarks is the logo still has tits in it. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing. <laughs> you got to get that t-shirt. <laughs> That's something we should have on Podshop.biz It's quark but with boobs (laughs) I love
2: it I love it Flag this We'll get it done months after we've said so on the show Yeah But it will be in Podshop.biz
0: Set a reminder for like three, four months from today As you're listening to this Go to Podshop.biz and buy the quark with tits Starbucks logo parody shirt.
2: All references to Podshop.biz need to be, instead of go right now to (laughs) Podshop.biz, just say, hey Siri, set a reminder for two months from now to check (laughs) (laughs) Podshop.biz. Your kid's gonna be driving when Podshop.biz finally launches.
0: The day I uh, I went on family leave, I told my wife, "Well, it was it was a lot, but we got it all done." I wanted to uh, leave with all of the episodes we needed recorded for family leave, and I wanted to get Podshop.biz on the launch pad so it could start in my absence. And we did it. We did all of it. <laughs> <laughs> sure did, Ben, the eternal optimist. Uh, <laughs> Also optimistic is Bold Boimler, who notices the Dabo table off in the corner. Oh my stars, they've got Dabo. And enthusiastically throws himself into the fray in the manner of an Adam Pranica. And I've seen you whip out your coin purse. Oh yeah. At a gambling establishment. I
2: played with some friends of
0: DeSoto at Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah? Yeah, I played
2: craps with Defested and Michael for a couple hours. Wow. And, and just had a great time. At Star Trek Las Vegas with them. That's good stuff. That thing happened though. Mm. I was bold Adam in the last <laughs> half an hour. You'll remember famously at the last Star Trek Las Vegas you and I went to, I was at a craps table as our car was arriving at the hotel to take us <laughs> to the airport. And I was in the middle of a thing and I
0: just couldn't leave. And I was sweating bullets. <laughs>
2: but I cashed. I cashed big. Like, hell yeah. All I do is Betts, bets, bets, bets. No Won a bunch of money, got in the car and went to the airport. This was a similar situation, except I got totally nut kicked, oh. <laughs> getting bold boimler like on my last couple rolls. Oh, wow. it, was, it sucked because I was doing great. <laughs> I was doing great for hours and then I just gave it all back.
0: Man, I mean, what you didn't realize when you were off playing craps uh, last time we were both in Star Trek Las Vegas was I got to meet Mesk. Who? Mesk, the Orion who is also in Starfleet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Oh, a fellow Orion.
2: Who also comes with Adam Pally's voice, unmistakable.
0: Yeah, he really leans into the shady side of the Orion mystique. He introduces himself to Tendi and is talking about what a great piratey energy Orions have, and uh, Tendi has always been uncomfortable with this part of... uh, you know the rep that she gets when she walks into a room this is an interaction that makes it hard to be
2: friends with rutherford sometimes because rutherford does not get the verbal cues and and like the physical mannerisms of a attendee wanting to leave a situation
0: yeah there's not a lot of room reading going on with rutherford or mask really like they are both just kind of running roughshod over attendee's uh Half uh, asserted discomfort.
2: Rutherford has a real your wife or my wife kind of energy during a moment <laughs> where their partner <laughs> wants to leave a situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like later, Tendy is like, "We, ha- I was doing the hand signal. And and he's like, what? I didn't agree to that. <laughs> I, I picked up a new technology in the last few weeks. I want to
2: run by you. Okay. Because I've been Hold run- on, I'm writing this down. I've been running into a situation that has been very frustrating lately, which has been I will say something like, "Do you want to leave this thing or <laughs> or do you want to fill in the blank?" Right. And often the answer is, "No, I'm fine." That is the wrong way to suggest a thing that you want to do. It is not direct <laughs> enough. Yeah. I need to be the person big enough to be like, "I would like to leave." Or yeah. fill in the blank or whatever. And then that makes it clear what my
0: intentions and interests are. And that mm. works a lot better. Wow. I don't know why I never thought of it, but it does seem like a good idea yeah. and worth trying. Yeah. If I can muster the courage. Just try it. <laughs> you know what? Try
2: it when I meet your baby tonight. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would like Adam to hold the baby, said Ben. Yeah. I, uh, I suggest leaving before the check hits the table. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rutherford and Tendy get looped in for a tour with Mask that uh, Tendy does not want to take. And we cut over to Mariner, who has, as you say, been invited to a ladies' night by Jen. Mm. This is a place in a hang that she is not. Super comfortable with you'd assume that just knowing what we know about Jennifer. Yeah, but she's made even more uncomfortable because she shows up wearing the Ahura uniform. She's too dressed up for the occasion.
1: Wow, looking professional uniform. I I didn't get the memo that uh, this was like a sweats kind of party. Right.
2: She should have come showing
0: midriff. It's it's more of a midriffy type hang. A midriff sweat salon. It's a, yeah, it's a candle making slash. Poetry Slam Salon and uh, Jennifer's friends are all like very bookish and not super fun, I would say. like yeah. They're definitely like, they all share common interests, but they're not like good time buddies the way Tendy and Rutherford and Boyems are.
2: I've been w- watching a lot of The Office on uh, on syndicated television. Oh yeah. Lately. The uh,
0: Ricky Gervais program.
2: No, no. The, <laughs> the other one, The American Office. Yeah. And one of the things that show does really well is the combination of uncomfortable moment and like off work employee hang. And that's what this is, right? Because it's not just that it's woo-woo shit and candle making. It's that it's in the workplace and it's with work people.
0: Yeah. And work people that she doesn't know really. Yeah. So this is like her first impression of them in a way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and their first impression of her outside of the reputation she's built up, which hasn't been super great.
0: So Mariner's going to be hitting that sorry and Brandy pretty hard as a result.
2: I mean, she's hitting it because these girls are attracted to Boimler.
1: Boimler is so sexy.
2: (laughs) They're chatting her up about how fucking hot Boimler is.
0: It's another one of these women find Boim's irresistible bits that uh, we've seen a couple times now. And it seems like it grosses Mariner out, but she also has not like described it to anyone or talked about it other than expressing her displeasure with it.
2: She's not a good friend for not disclosing this to him, right? Or, you know what? I kind of want to walk that back. Does Boimler style himself as a particularly lonely person? Like, he's desperate in a couple of episodes.
0: He's desperate for, like, career stuff, though. It doesn't seem like he's thirsty for a relationship. Right. Yeah. Like, has he ever expressed romantic interest in anyone? I can't really think of a moment. Yeah, there was
2: the one girlfriend he had from that other ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was doing all sorts of things to impress her. Yeah. You
1: radiates a primal confidence. I'm sure you felt it. No, I try not to feel anything around Brad.
2: But that was a specific romantic interest and not a general. Right. This is not a a Robert De Niro, I am alone, I am not
0: lonely situation, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's really the De Niro of the show. Uh So that hang seems to be going in a very awkward direction. Also awkward is the introduction of Captain Freeman to this Karema negotiator who, you know, I mean, she breaks the ice by saying, hey, we brought a ship full of gifts for you guys. So you're probably going to enjoy talking to us. But the negosh is not the subject of this uh, episode's focus. We cut back down to the promenade where mask is giving the uh, the grand tour to uh, Rutherford and Tendy and mask is very performative in talking about all his oriony antics that he's gotten into so real talk what's the first ship you ever stole ma
1: um actually I don't do that stuff
0: it just becomes more and more uncomfortable for Tendy I, I feel like this is an episode where all of our characters are being pushed into great social discomfort aside from Boimler who's just <laughs> raking money in <laughs>
2: Freeman finally calls Tendy for help and it gives her a way out of this nightmare. Oh, what a shame. Brother Fred, let's go.
0: The like, go get the gifts out of the uh, yeah. cargo hold. Go get the balloons out of the trunk, but open that trunk slowly. Yeah. And uh, if any dead clowns fall out, that's not our fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those like, oh, thank God the phone rang kind of moments, except for mess invites himself on this mission. He's going to be providing security for the delivery of gifts to the Karema ship.
2: She just can't wiggle out of this, can she? We
1: need to score a lot of black fast. We're licensed
0: I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code TREK50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off.
2: What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the Spring Cleaning Champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op.
2: Back with bold Boimler, he's on a huge run at the Dabo table. A run that we've maybe never seen before mm. at Dabo.
0: Stacks and stacks of that lap. No!
1: And the streak continues.
0: Yeah, it seems like um, uniquely Quark is not the one worried about this. There seems to be sort of a pit boss Ferengi character yeah. who is, has been empowered to be the one stressing about somebody winning a lot of money.
2: Yeah, that is strange. I mean, but but it may just be that Quark has so many responsibilities yeah. and things to think about. He can't have his eye on this one table. He's got dozens of tables around the quadrant.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and like the point of opening a gambling establishment is that you're making money off of the bets no matter what people are winning or losing.
2: Right. It's the easiest thing in the world to make money owning a casino. Like You'd
0: have to be a staggeringly bad business person to right. go out of business- with well, a casino.
2: I mean, a bad business person, but also just a fucking dummy in general, just like a vacuous sucking hole
0: right. for a brain. Right, so at least Quark has figured that out. Right.
2: Back in the ladies' salon, it's story time, and the theme for story time is personal battlefields.
1: <laughs> oh, great, because this one is mine.
2: The details of the ladies' salon were really funny to me, but I'm wondering (laughs) if they were too funny to me. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, the interpretive dance may have taken it a little bit far, but, uh, (laughs) you know, as no stranger to personal battlefields, I thought these jokes probably hit just as well for you and me as they they were for the ladies. When Mariner is not
2: totally enthusiastic about participating in this and in, like, the snap instead of applause or whatever. <laughs> yeah, she is called out as being what some people would refer to as a suppressive person.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> oh no, I don't want to disrespect anything. Um, Jenny was I, right. You do love being contrary.
0: What people would refer to her as that, Adam? I don't know. People that you if, like to have brunch with.
2: If you want to blend in, you better be doing the snaps, Mariner. What
0: what pamphlets have you been reading since I went on family leave, Adam? <laughs> Been taking a lot of long walks in L.A., Ben. Speaking of long walks, the uh, diplomatic group uh, takes a long walk down the promenade, and uh, Freeman is uh, trying to make the argument that the Alpha Quadrant is a great opportunity for the Karema. If they could open up trade in the Alpha Quadrant, they, they could make a ton of money. Just look at uh, all of the prosperous businesses here on the promenade. And he's like, this is like a shitty mall in a bad part of town. (laughs) What are you talking about? A tailor and some tchotchke kiosks? (sighs) This is hardly worth my time. Kira kind of thinks on her feet.
2: Like, Kira has got to be so disgusted to hear the words coming out of her mouth that Quark's is an example of something good, something to aspire
0: to that is seven full seasons of character development <laughs> yeah. that, that Kira is able to stomach saying what she says. <laughs> <laughs> and she says like, Quark has, uh, has prospered greatly. He's uh, He's got franchises all over the quadrant and it all started here. So uh, yeah. if you got a toehold into the A quad at Deep Space Nine, the quadrant is your oyster. Just talk to this dude about it. And, She leads them into the bar and tries to get Quark to sort of be the, like, impromptu spokesperson for the business opportunities that DS9 represents. Quark is having none of it.
1: Do us a favor here, Quark. We're trying to make a good impression. Maybe. I don't want to make a good impression.
2: No mention made of the unexploded torpedo experience that Quark had, which would seem to me to be the main thrust of his umbrage.
0: Right, right.
2: You know, his anti-Karemen sentiments, if you will.
0: Yeah. Instead, he's talking about the customers of his that died, which is a more sentimental Quark than uh, we often get like this early in an episode. Like, I feel like you can beat Quark into sentimentality over the course of an hour-long DS9 episode, but it's not not his... uh, starting position (laughs) ever.
2: And when the scene rests on a single of Quark and he's like, I don't hate you, Karemin. (laughs) I hate what you made me become. (laughs) You gather the fullness of his feelings there. Mm,
0: Yeah. Elsewhere in the bar, the Ferengi pit boss seems to think that uh, Bold Boimler has like uh, vibrating anal beads making him good at Dabo or something.
1: Yeah,
2: but- that just makes him a good chess champion, right? <laughs> Can you imagine getting your beads confused? Oh um, yeah. Like maybe you're someone who likes doing chess and dabo, and playing the rosary, and it's like, ah, whoops! It's probably a red and blue thing, like with thermometers, right? Oh yeah, you want to have them differently colored depending on what you're playing.
0: Yeah, that's that's just smart. Yeah. <laughs> That's just smart butt play strategy, Ben. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's that's why people tune into Greatest Trick, you know? They learn about flared bases. They learn about color coding your beads. They learn about the color and consistency of baby pee. (laughs) Speaking of color and consistency, Mesk and Tendi and Rutherford are uh, loading these gifts onto the Karema ship. And uh, this is happening concurrently with the Karema noticing Quark's replicators down in the bar. And they take great umbrage when they see what Quark is working with. And Quark doesn't want them going anywhere near his replicator. He's complaining to the authorities. And the Karema knock over the device. And a bunch of technology that I didn't like. understand the significance of right off the bat falls out of it but uh, it seems to confirm whatever they suspect.
2: Right. It's easily identifiable to the Kremens, and right. through context, we understand why. None of them stop to wonder why it's called the Quark 2000. Though. No. They look past that part.
0: <laughs> the, uh, the guy with the thing that looked like a bomb under his chest reaches into his cloak and throws that thing. Shax pushes Kira out of the way, saving her life. And that thing wedges itself into a panel and causes a power outage all over the station that even extends onto the Cerritos. Like if
2: Deep Space Nine, the show takes place in like the 2300s, why wouldn't it be like the Quark 4,000? That sounds super (laughs) futuristic. (laughs) Yeah. Quark 5,000? That sounds even more futuristic.
0: Even being conservative and calling it the Quark 3000 would buy you a lot of time before you had to rebrand, you You wouldn't
2: have to change it for a long time. (laughs) It would remain futuristic sounding for Quark's entire life.
0: Yeah, but that's not what he did. He went 2000.
2: If they turn Quark into a golem, that's the only way that he'll ever experience what the year 3000 is. Wow,
0: wow. Or, you know, put them on Starship Discovery and send them off into the wild blue future.
2: That's right. Yeah. Do you think they had to (laughs) renumber all of the future tech on
0: Discovery (laughs) when it
2: went to the future? I bet they did. Yeah.
0: They don't have as many bits about stolen replicator technology on uh, Discovery, though.
2: No, they sure don't.
0: So one of the many places that loses power is the hang the mariner's at, you know, the lady doing the interpretive dance, burns herself on one of the candles they made. Tendy and Rutherford see the Karema hauling Quark aboard their own ship yeah. while they're unloading all these gifts. And uh, they're peeking out when uh, a door slams shut and it tramps them on the Karema ship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the
2: situations are very similar all over the place. Power's out, locked behind doors. Yeah. Unable to
0: communicate. I feel like that's like a, uh, a DS9 story bell that we've seen rung before. But this is like with a slightly new spin. Yeah. Panic seems to be setting in all over the place. And uh, Mariner and Jennifer get in an argument about how this is going. And Jennifer reveals to Mariner that she was kind of hoping that Mariner would be a little bit more herself around these girls when they came over for... This hang, yeah, because the the candles are consuming all the oxygen in the room that they're in really quickly, and Mariner is being super deferential, and Jennifer's like, "What are you doing? Like, you're always stomping people's nuts. I was hoping you would stomp their nuts too." Yeah, the thing I like about
2: you is you're nut stomping, <laughs> so get to stomping them nuts, and so Mariner does with a phaser. <laughs>
0: Turns out stunned people breathe less oxygen than conscious people.
2: This makes total sense to me.
0: Yeah. So, to save their lives, she starts blasting everyone in the room. Yeah. And this totally floods Jennifer's basement, right? Yeah. It really works. You know, I've always enjoyed when I see my wife walk into a room of my friends and just start blasting away. Wasn't Jennifer's Basement a Megan Fox movie? Am I remembering <laughs> that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, Diablo Cody uh-huh. <laughs> penned <laughs> yeah. script.
2: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think it holds up. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't know. Yeah. Did not they do it on the flop house at some point? Oh, probably. They do everything over there. Yeah. They work harder than we ever will.
0: They do. <laughs> on board the Karema uh, ship, Rutherford is like, mask! Dude, this is perfect. You've been talking about all of your piratey hijinks this whole time and you've got that device on your belt that's uh a Orion piracy tool. Yeah. Like, gotta break us out of this Karema ship and He's got uh, the
2: Orion Leatherman, right? Right. <laughs> You know what? There's probably a real Orion Leatherman too. Like that's just a person right. wearing leather. Yeah.
0: Probably a ton of those. That's a whole kind of person on Orion.
2: This is why you call it the Orion Omni tool or whatever and not a Leatherman right.
0: tool. It's just too confusing. Orion army
2: knife? Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> put it on the whiteboard. Put it on the board. <laughs> this is kind of calling Mesk's bluff. Yeah. To put it in gambling terms. He's going to have to put his piracy money where his piracy mouth is.
2: The breakdown that Mesk has, I think, is is one of the reasons you cast Adam Pally, right? Because an Adam Pally breakdown yeah. is a really funny thing to hear. Whether you're watching that the great comedy show, Happy Endings, or you're watching him do his tourism show, 110 places to party before you die, <laughs> with the great John
0: Gabris. Like, he's a breakdown artist. He's great at this. He rules. I've never pirated anything in my whole stupid life. What? He reveals he's actually from Ohio and was adopted by humans. He is sort of, to Orion culture, what Worf is to Klingon culture. Oh. Talks a lot of shit, but... Oh, man. It's not the culture he actually grew up with. Ooh. And has similar misunderstandings about it, right? Like when Worf actually goes into... Klingon like war halls and everybody's like laughing and having a great time and he's being all stiff and rigid they're like what is wrong with you man yeah
2: yeah what are they gonna do with Worf in season three of Picard <laughs> is he gonna continue to suck
0: <laughs> <laughs> if if they don't do something with him not being able to get through a door yeah just for us I will be very disappointed <laughs> You know, what's funny is
2: with the way that Worf is with his family and just completely uh, ignoring them, he could be sitting right next to Kern and it would be like a perfectly quiet conversation. (laughs) Is anyone sitting here?
0: (laughs) No. Be my guest. This is Kern getting on the bus after... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> After missing it originally Yeah
2: <laughs> It is very wet out there Today is it not <laughs> The bus always Gets humid on the rainy days <laughs> Worf just walks Into the closed bus
0: door hmm. <laughs> Must be sealed So uh, it turns out Tendi Does have some of these skills of a pirate and a dentist. Yeah. Whoa.
1: Wait, a minute, wait a minute, that thing has a tooth remover? Shh, I'm pirating, let's go!
0: She leaps into action. She steals a gold-pressed latinum tooth from one of the Karema, uses it to short-circuit the impulse drive on the Karema ship, and stops the ship from entering the wormhole just in the nick of time.
2: Yeah, it's just the tip. Yeah. This is what's in there. Not going all the way in, doesn't oh. count.
0: No, come on. <laughs> Who's ever caught a VD doing this? Yeah. Feels pretty good. Yeah. You can't get pregnant from (laughs) (laughs) pre-ship.
2: Sure can. (laughs) I mean, there was that one kid that changed schools.
0: Right, right.
2: But I didn't hear it was from this.
0: No. Uh, I heard his mom went crazy. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, the... A lot, of, a lot of cutting around. Um, Mariner and Jennifer decide that it's going to look sus if they aren't also stunned when everybody wakes up. So they take a phaser selfie.
2: Oh, I like that term.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's clearly what they're doing, right? They do the, like, hold it up at arm's length and point it back at them.
1: Well, shall we? Mwah.
0: I rarely uh, have a, a literature
2: reference on this show, Ben, but mm. I thought it was a very Romeo and Juliet moment of like, you know, you come to and you see everyone else looking dead. You decide to shoot yourself yeah. or take yourself out. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Very romantic in that way.
0: The way Romeo and Juliet is. Yeah. Very romantic. This episode uh, was actually, it was it, it's interesting. <laughs> it was written by Sid Meier and directed by Baz Lerman. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. No one in the cast uh, older than 26. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: in the uh, detention area on Deep Space Nine, all of the uh, Karema have been gathered up and put behind a force field. And uh, they explain that they were not kidnapping quark they were arresting quark because the quark 2000 contains stolen karema technology i
1: may have bought a karema replicator some years ago but it was my codes that made it so popular oh that's beside the point
0: justifiable yeah is what the karemans believe this is but Captain Freeman is in a diplomatic mood, not a uh, punitive mood. And so she proposes something that will make everybody happy. And we cut to Quark's bar where their Karema are hanging out and do seem indeed to be very happy. But Quark, not so much. It turns out the uh, deal is that he's giving a huge percentage of the profits from his empire to the Karema, you know, as like a licensing fee, basically, for the technology that is used in the. Quark 2000.
2: Before this deal was arranged, I had it in mind that they were just going to give the Karemans all of the Mylar balloons mm-hmm. and the bottles of booze or whatever, like the gifts. Use the gifts to arrange for this and then we'll call it even after that. But the percentage. Savage. That Quark has to give up, 76% of his profits? I was blown away by this.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of percentage
2: points. It's most of the percent.
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody would be in business if they gave up this much of a percent.
2: But I bet this is one of those, like, this is only the percentage that they know about. Very different percentage in actuality, right? Right. So, like, the the real figure must be very different. Who knows, man? This is that squirrely Ferengi accounting that they're famous for.
0: The, uh... Button on the episode, speaking of squirrely accounting, is uh, Mariner offering to not use a hologram that she has of Quark's head on Kira's body instead of paying for her huge bar tab that apparently she still has from when she was stationed on DS9. Yeah.
2: What Lower Decks promised seasons ago was that Mariner's return to Deep Space Nine would be fraught with a lot of drama, but this is the only dramatic moment we get yeah. of a Mariner back aboard Deep Space Nine.
0: Well, yeah. she's only just been aboard, though, right? Yeah. Like, she was on the Cerritos for most of it. She, she was, was
2: stuck in a pajama party.
0: Right. So maybe, uh, I don't know, I, I haven't watched ahead, but maybe next episode they're still here? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you just violated our embargo. We're going to stop getting screeners. Cut that out. Cut it out. <laughs> just beep it out.
2: The episode ends in a weird half-hour sitcom flourish. Yeah. Because Tendi and Rutherford are making peace with Tendy's pirate past, and then Tendi is like, you know what? I think I'm ready to embrace the cultural history of my people and then she whips out this tooth, the Karemin tooth that she's kept for some reason. Yeah. And Quark is there and he takes it from her. But I don't know why he does it. Why, what makes him think he can't?
0: Yeah. Shouldn't, I mean, like th- the move at that point would have just been to drop in like an Odo going, Quark.
2: Yeah. It's a Dukes of Hazard ending tacked onto this episode.
0: But I wonder if that's too sad because of the uh, um, of the passing of Rene Auberjonois. Do you think
2: that the ending that we get this episode is a different version than maybe the one that was intended?
0: No. I, yeah, maybe it like didn't test well or something, but- um, You
2: think they're testing this show, Ben? I don't no. think so. No one's, yeah. no one's testing
0: this show. I think they're blind firing this bad boy.
2: I think it's fucking working. <laughs> <laughs> How well did it work, Ben? Did you like this episode?
0: Oh, I like this episode a lot. I think that uh this is an episode that really starts to deliver on the promise of the premise of lower decks of we get to go to all of these places in Star Trek that are familiar, fun places to go and see them through different characters' eyes and tell different types of stories in those places. And if Star Trek is a place, then like the setting of Deep Space Nine shouldn't be confined to just that one show. It should be somewhere we get to go all the time. And I like the idea that we can stop there from time to time.
2: Yeah. In less capable hands, this is just a nostalgia play. Yeah. But in the way that you're describing, this is a place where a different story occurs. And we get the nostalgic great feelings for an Anna Visitor or an Armin Shimmerman. Like we get characters we love voiced by people we like. And... We're in a place that, uh, that we care a lot about, but it's not the point of the story. And I think that's really important that it isn't.
0: Yeah. And instead, it is a story that is both about personal relationships between our characters and them understanding each other better and also advancing storyline within universe. Like the Karema are an interesting species that I'd like to know more about. And I feel like this episode gives us a little bit of that, too. I will
2: I'll take the other side of that argument any day. I don't find the Karemans very interesting at all. I think they're an interesting choice for a foil in this episode, but I'm fine with not hanging out with them ever again.
0: I just think it's like it's interesting to think that there are analogues to all of our types of species on the other side of the wormhole. And that deep space nine is over as a series doesn't mean that mm. there's like a loss of continuity there. Fair.
2: Uh, One last thing I wanted to say in this part of the show was that I'm starting to gather that, you know, in addition to like the difficulty in making a story fully told in 26 minutes with Mm. like layers and Mm. B and C stories, it is really hard to wrap up all of those stories in an episode this long. And I think with an ending like this, I'm starting to detect how difficult that is in this format yeah there's a format to the ending of lower decks now that involves a little slapstick maybe boimler complaining about his circumstance and the music swelling into credits in a way that feels a little self parodic almost right it's creating its own genre and in that way like i can't say that it's, it's bad or it's wrong because it's neither but it's just like a quality that they're creating and Making it the official way to end a lower decks episode in a way that like isn't completely satisfying, but I think it, the show is making the case for this is the way we end our episodes, and that's
0: just the way it is. Everybody gets together in the bar at the end, right? Yeah, that feeling. We're a, in a different bar than normal, but it feels very similar to a lot of others.
2: Yeah, and I think when we watch episodes from here, that's something I want to be on the lookout for. Is like, is this a lower decks ending or not? Yeah because I think there is a quality to them
0: now. Well, I want to be on the lookout for Priority One messages. Do you want to head over to the inbox with me, Adam?
2: I, uh, just the tip
0: if okay. my mouse is in there.
1: <laughs> Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
0: Adam, our first Priority One message is from Jean Marie, and it is to Phil, and it goes like this. Happy birthday, Phil. I think I'm supposed to ask for a Chris Brenner drop. I'm Chris
1: Brenner, Brenner Information Systems, you know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. That Chris Brenner.
0: (laughs) Thanks for making me watch episodes of Deep Fake Nine and Emus Are Evil and other shows so you can keep up with these podcasts. Insert Larry David joke here. I love you, and I'm sorry you'll never understand why Q episodes are my favorite. Do we have a Larry David joke here? Sure, we get something.
2: I don't know. In the absence of that, I will say you and I have been communicating in almost entirely curb (laughs) GIFs over the last few weeks. And (laughs) and in such a way we know exactly what the other person is trying to say.
0: Yeah, truly.
2: Ben, our second priority one message is from the STA USS Dauntless crew. Captain Kilian in parentheses, Jeff. Nanzala, in parentheses, Ruth Anastasia. We got Tamu, parentheses, Joe. And Dr. Latha, parentheses, Ramon LP4. Hey! It is to Code 47 from Captain Killian to Benjamin Harrison and S-W-I-H-W. This is Captain Kellyan of the USS Dotless. We extend congratulations on your new baby. Wow. Lieutenant Timu's sensors report excess adorable Tron particles. A Q told Latha, the baby is of great interest to the continuum. Lieutenant Commander Zala senses the baby expressing feelings of happiness and love. Lieutenant Tior shows course projections to be bright and
0: promising Ah! thank you Captain Kellyan and the USS Dauntless crew that's really nice of you
2: this is a Star Trek Adventures
0: crew that's great
2: made up of uh, many familiar friends of DeSoto
0: yeah I recognize those uh, those names anywhere yeah Wow, I'm tickled pink and I really appreciate it. Yeah, you should definitely share this message with your wife. Yeah, I'm just going to read it verbatim to her and and see what looks wash over her face. <laughs> uh-huh. Mostly dismay I'm predicting. Yeah.
2: Just an unfathomable sadness.
0: Yeah, uh, much like earlier today when I was watching Star Trek Voyager on the couch with the baby on my belly and I said you're at work with daddy. And I looked over at my wife and, you know, just watched her hopes and dreams crumble before her. <laughs> she just walks out into the street. <laughs> uh, well, if you'd like to get a priority one message, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set one up today. Hey Ben, what's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself Edward in Larkin? Edward Larkin? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna give it to Quark. I think Quark gets it because Quark kind of delivers on the premise of Quark in the funniest way in this episode. Like, I was just thinking, like, so much at the beginning of this episode about, like, yeah, like we have seen Quark's bar in other places in Star Trek now implying that Quark has achieved some kind of success. Like he's somehow like beat the odds and figured out a way to not be sort of a laughing stock, which was always the joke about Quark is that nobody wants it more than him and it's always eluded him. And, you know, like when you just see a establishing shot of some spaceport and there's a Quark's bar in an episode of some show, you're like, man, so Quark is really doing it. And I love that this episode makes sure that in the continuity, Quark is not doing it. <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> God, the way
2: you put that was so convincing. I was gonna say it was mask, but now I'm, I'm with you. Let's make it Quark.
0: <laughs> wow, well, uh, a really fun episode. But uh, before we go here on Greatest Trek, we like to shout out somebody that mentioned our show on social media. Isn't that right, Adam? You're right about that, Ben.
2: At Fair Enough 34 shows some pretty big love for our episode that was an interview with Mike McMahon. Yeah. Message goes like this I'm pretty hype right now. The Mike McMahon interview on Greatest Trek. Is a must-listen for Trek fans. Hilarious and wonderful deep dive into Lower Decks and why we love these franchises so much. Can't wait to watch new Lower Decks.
0: Awesome. I hope at Fair Enough 34 is watching along with us. And uh, if you'd like to get a message read on the end of the show, make sure to post about us on Instagram or Twitter and why you like the show. It helps get the word out about what we're doing over here, and we really appreciate it. And uh, you might get a shout out right here on the end of the episode. Yeah. All right, Adam. I can't wait till next week. But in the meantime, I think we got to throw the keys to our producer, Wendy Pretty, and uh, she'll tell us a little bit about next week's episode in the outro. All
2: right, Wendy. Catch.
0: <laughs> you threw those really hard. <laughs> it's kind of mean. She got out of the way. Yeah, but then she had to like go pick him up off the ground. Like that sucks, dude. Is that what she did? I thought they
2: they like flew and then skidded across the ground and then like down into a drain.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so now because I have the longest arms, I have to reach down into this creepy drain pipe to get the keys. How else are we gonna get the pod car home?
2: Probably nothing down there hmm. besides yeah, keys. No killer clowns or anything. You've had worse cover your body over the last few weeks. <laughs> I like think a sewer would probably be a dream to you at this point.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound pretty nice.
1: <laughs> Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Coming up on Lower Decks Season 3, it's Episode 7, A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. A wayward Starfleet ensign struggles to find a path to redemption. We want to thank Adam Ragusia for the incredible music he made for this show. He's also got a podcast and a YouTube cooking channel, and you can find those by searching for Adam Ragusia. Nick Dittmore made the show art, and Bill Tilley is running the social media pages for Uxbridge Shimoda. Make sure you're following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter and use the hashtag Greatest Trek when you talk about the show online. If you're enjoying Ben and Adam's recaps, one of the best things you can do to help spread the word is recommending Greatest Trek to someone you know. And If you want to help support the podcast directly, it's really easy to set up a membership at MaximumFun.org slash join. And we really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek.